Before we start today's episode, I want to mention our sponsor, Swoosh English, the best way to pass your OET or IELTS exams. For 10% off any course, go to swooshenglish.com forward slash our voices discount or click the link in the episode description. I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices in the NHS, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we hear personal stories from NHS medical professionals. If you found meaning in these episodes, please share them with a friend so they can enjoy them as well. Let's delve into today's episode. It has been the toughest year and a bit of my life. This is Ellie, an occupational therapist from Hereford. She qualified and started working for the NHS in July 2020, in the middle of the pandemic. Seeing the patients as poorly as they were, ventilated with tubes everywhere, that was just really difficult. It was emotionally challenging, like taking that home every day, just to see what COVID had done to people. This wasn't how she'd imagined starting her first job in a career she loves. People not understanding how awful it's actually been. You know, we didn't sign up for this. Yes, we signed up to look after, you know, poorly people in hospital and make them better and everything, but we didn't sign up for that. Wearing PPE all day was sore and uncomfortable, but it wasn't Ellie's main concern. The worst thing is, I think, just thinking about the patients, because these patients, especially the ones, you know, really, really poorly, they have no idea what that member of staff looks like behind that PPE. You know, all they can see is eyes. So actually, I think they're the ones in a hospital bed, you know, lonely, poorly, on their own, without their families, and all they can see is eyes. I made sure I always wrote my name on my visor. Ellie did this so that her patients would recognise it was her, rather than another faceless member of staff who they didn't know. As an occupational therapist, she's lucky to spend a lot of time one-on-one with her patients. She grew particularly close to one of them, an elderly man in his 80s with leukaemia. This man was completely independent, you know, quite active, completely understood everything what was going on. We had some lovely conversations like in previous weeks before. He talked a lot about his wife all the time and, you know, his face just always lit up when he was telling me about her. One of the things he was really looking forward to was going home and they slept in separate beds because <laughs> they liked to have a comfortable night's sleep. But before um, they'd go to bed every night, they'd read their books together in his bed and then she'd go off into hers and then they'd do the same in the morning and I just thought that was adorable. (laughs) This man also had another love in his life. His cat, he was really missing his cat. Every day Ellie saw him, he would regale her with stories about his wife and cat. He would repeat things as well, but he was just so fond of them both, you know, it was just lovely to just keep talking about that. Suddenly, his condition started deteriorating rapidly. He was really not good, you know. He was on oxygen. He looked really poorly and just weak in his bed. His family lived far away, and Ellie suspected that they were not aware of how serious his condition was. My original plan was we were going to try and get him home because obviously visitors and everything was limited. 
but he wasn't stable enough to go home in the end, so I couldn't support that. So I just kept him comfortable in hospital. I just felt for him because he was completely on his own. I know he's got everybody in hospital, but you want family members. Though he may have felt alone, they were still thinking about him and missing him. His family had posted in a photo album book, which were loads of memories and photos, and they had wrote on the back of each photo like the names of who was in the photos and the year and dates and things and holidays. It would say like Turkey 2009. And I just thought he's had a lovely life. He's had a supportive family, you know, he's got a lovely wife. So I was just reading all of that to him. And this is when I wasn't really receiving much communication back, you know, it was minimal. And I did that a couple of times that day. And later on in the day, I did it one last time. And he passed away. So I just held his hand, you know, and I was there in that final couple of minutes and I was reading that photo album, so I knew that was the last thing he'd heard. And then when he passed, I just said, I'll speak to your family and, you know, your wife will look after your cat and think your wife will be OK. And, you know, it was it was really, really sad. But I just felt like I was so lucky to be with him. The death of her patient felt very close to home for Ellie. A few weeks prior to her starting her job at the hospital, a death in the family meant she could bring a level of compassion to a new role that only comes with loss. I could just completely understand how families felt because I didn't get to say bye to my grandma when they told us she had COVID. My family and I had to say goodbye to her through a window. This window was on the ground floor of a community hospital. The nurses, they knew we were coming, so they moved her bed closer to the window so we could just look through. We weren't allowed it open or anything, but they just pulled the curtain back and she was just laying in the hospital bed. It wasn't very nice because she looked in pain. She just looked so frail and so different to what, you know, she was like the week before. And, and it's very similar. My grandma was very independent. She lived on her own. She did have carers coming in, but, you know, she was still up and mobile, walking independently, walking unaided. And she deteriorated really quickly when she contracted COVID. Ellie's grandmother had initially been admitted into hospital because she'd had a bad fall and fractured her arm. Ellie believes that this is how she came into contact with COVID. Because I went through that with my grandma, actually it just made me realise even more than I had known before how difficult it is for patients and families and, you know, death and everything in the middle of this because, you know, people are losing people all over, but people aren't being able to say bye or, like, we thought grandma probably had quite a few years left in her and... It's easy to say, but she probably would have lived a lot longer. Ellie's experience isn't unique. Many families across the country are missing family members who, due to catching COVID, never left hospital. I kept having panic attacks. I kind of wasn't myself. I, I couldn't understand what was going on, but I wasn't feeling the Ellie that I normally am. 
and like everybody knows I just felt kind of like I wasn't there I just felt really strange all the time the lows and stresses of 2020 and 2021 have taken its toll on many people's well-being and it wouldn't just be like one panic attack a week or a month since January it's been like daily panic attacks and it would always happen at night thankfully I've got the help I needed and they kind of say it's probably from my year last year was so up and down you know happy sad grieving qualifying I moved house applying for jobs got my job qualified in the pandemic they think that happened that was my way of kind of exploding in a way you know I just couldn't take it I wasn't sad but I think it just got a bit too much Ellie sought help for what she was experiencing and was diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. Thankfully, Ellie's panic attacks have started to subside. I haven't had one for a few weeks and things are on the mend, I think. I'm feeling much more like myself and, yeah, kind of back to normal. So I'm just hoping it just keeps going that way. As patients, we can be forgiven for thinking about ourselves in our time of need and not thinking about the people who serve us. Ellie has clearly had a difficult time, both personally and professionally, during this pandemic. Not only did she care very greatly for this patient, but she had had her own struggles too. Just like Ellie, I myself have previously experienced panic attacks, so I know too well how difficult it can be going through this and then attempting to overcome it. All of us are going through some sort of difficulties in our lives right now. Whereas for people like Ellie in the caring profession, it can be a tremendous challenge to not only care for your patients, but to also care for yourself too. Let's look out for each other in these most difficult of times. As mental health is a topic of great concern for people right now, as well as being something the Our Voices team is very passionate about. We are working on a series titled Our Voices Through Lockdown, and it features some eye-opening episodes on people's mental health in these times. Stay tuned over the coming weeks as we reveal more details on this upcoming series. If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. I want to acknowledge our sponsor, Swoosh English, for making these podcasts possible. It's the best place to get training and support to pass your OET, IELTS and PT exams. If you want to hear from doctors or nurses who've passed their exam with the help of Swoosh English, go and listen to episodes from Rima, Midun, Cynthia, Tara and Hussein. For 10% off any course, visit swooshenglish.com forward slash Our Voices discount.